Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shine, 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 shine. Hi everyone, I hope you're all shining bright. We're going to shine it up. Welcome to the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. Come join me on this journey as we unpack the Real Housewives of Melbourne, deep dive into all things that I do, spirituality, manifestation, self-empowerment and being a psychic medium. And I'll chat to some friends along the way. Hello and welcome to my very first podcast. I'm so excited, guys, to be here talking to you all for my very first podcast. This is a dream come true, and I feel like this is the natural extension outside of my Shine It Up tour, outside of my Psychic Medium readings, where I get to talk to all of you and engage with all of you about everything mindset, manifestation, psychic awareness, psychic mediumship, talking to men and women of how they got to where they got to, how the universe brought them to where they are, their their adversity, their challenges. I'm going to be talking about subjects that maybe some people don't want to talk about, but girl, I'm here to talk about it all. The podcast has been in the works and I felt like it was the right natural next step for me. And for such a long time, I have thought about it. So it's A dream come true for me, and I'm so excited that we are finally here. And I know that this podcast will be different from anybody else's because I am going to do sometimes psychic medium readings or I am going to give vibes, and I am going to get really down and into how it is or how I believe it is that we become the people that we are through our experiences, but how we can also learn to create the lives or live the best version of ourselves by listening to our intuition. And I want to also interview people that are going to inspire you to be passionate about your life purpose and how to obtain that. So I'm just excited all the way around. And every week I will unpack each of the episodes of The Real Housewives of Melbourne, chat with some of my friends, and I will, of course, be answering all your questions about life my IVF journey, manifesting, spirituality, housewives, and whatever else you want to know because you know I will always keep it 100%, guys. I'm going to keep it 100 with all of you. I'm so excited for all you to come along and support and show me so much support and love, and let's get this party started. We're going to shine it up. I kind of want to go back to the beginning for me and how it all started. I grew up in Newcastle, New South Wales. I was born in Croatia. I grew up in a very, very strict Croatian family. I always knew from a young age that I wanted to do something that was inspirational. I wanted to be known for something that would inspire people. And I remember when I was younger, I used to visualize a lot. I used to see things in my mind and I used to daydream a lot. And I would speak to people and I thought that was all part of my imagination. And I remember I used to dream about how the world looks, what I wanted in my world and how my world looked. 
Then fast forward many years later, I come to realize that what I was actually doing was creative visualization. I see that as manifestation. Even now going back on it and thinking about it, I think, oh my God, all the things that I experienced, I had to experience in order to become the person that I am. So let's go back to when I was, let's say around the age of nine, my very first really strong feeling of seeing spirit. I was staying at my parents' family's friend's place. They were babysitting my sister and I. And there was this one room in the back of their house. And it was always quite cold, but my sister and I used to sleep in that room. It was a bit further away from where the family friends, Linda and Steve, used to sleep a bit further up. Just kind of think like there was their bedroom, was the main lounge room, and then you walk down a bit. There's another bedroom, you walk a bit down. There's another bedroom next to the kitchen, and it was always cold. And anyway, remember I was sleeping in this bedroom with my sister, and in the middle of the night, I woke up, and so did my sister, to some people singing, and when I say people, I'm saying kids and a couple of adults singing that song, Ring a Ring a Rosie. <laughs> and we looked over our cupboards and we saw people holding hands doing that nursery rhyme. And my sister and I freaked. I was crying. She was crying. We saw a little dog, and my sister and I just covered ourselves crying and we were like, just make it go away. And I was trying to scream out to Linda and Steve, but they didn't hear us. So the next morning, I remember telling them and my mother what we had seen. And Stephen had said to my mum, that room's always cold and nobody likes to be in it. So I was like, oh, thanks very much for that. But that was the moment I really was very clear that I was able to feel spirit and see spirit. Fast forwarding as time went on, growing up in a very strict Croatian household, I felt like the high school that I went to, I never really fit in. It was very white Anglo-Saxon. There weren't many Europeans. There was probably only me and three other girls that were of a different nationality outside of Australian that went to that school. And I remember being quite bullied a lot for not being Australian, being born in Croatia and sometimes being told, you know, go back to your own country. But what I found about going through that experience was that it actually made me really resilient and I would stand up for myself and not allow a lot of people to put it over me. And I think that really started catapulting the person that I would eventually become. As time went on, I started doing vision boards and I mean manifestation boards from the age of 17. And I used to stick pictures of these, of all the things that I wanted in my life on these vision boards. And I used to tell the universe, I would speak to God and pray and say, these are all the things that I want. And I remember one day my mum said to me, not in a nasty way, when I said, Mom, look at all these things that I'm going to have. And I stuck all these pictures on this board. And my mum was like, Jackie, get your head out of the clouds. And I remember saying to my mum, you watch this, it will come about. Everything that I have on this board will happen. And everything on that board did happen many years later. I'm a massive believer that your thoughts create your experiences, but I believe that the manifestation board and my visualization from a young girl and seeing spirit and hearing spirit, and I thought that was normal. I thought everybody could see it. I never really talked about it. I said it to my mum and dad, but they were very much like, you don't talk about those things. It's like, oh, okay. thought that was normal. And then I blocked it out. I blocked seeing you know, spirits out when I was about maybe 15, 16, you come into becoming a teenager, you know, you're going out with some of your friends, you go to the shopping, you go to the movies. So your kind of life starts to change its course and you're still figuring out who you are. 
and I was doing my vision boards. Anyway, so moving forward from that, I grew up singing and dancing as well. I always thought that I was going to be this famous singer and dancer. <laughs> Do you know, true story, I actually used to write in every single card that I give people from the age of six, love famous Jackie, love famous Jackie, but not famous out of egotistical, look at me, I'm famous. I always felt this inner knowing that I wanted to do something that, that would inspire people. And I remember watching the Grammy Awards one year and it had CC Winer and it had Whitney Houston on it. And it made me cry. And that's when I said to my mom, that's what I want to do. And they sang a song called Count On Me. If you haven't heard the song, go and listen to it. Had the church singers at the back and they were all singing and harmonizing to Cece Winer and Whitney Houston singing Count On Me. And I cried. I cried my eyes out and said, that's what I want to do. I want to make people feel like that. And how that made me feel was goosebumps and inspired me and inspired me to want to do something big in this world. And I just didn't know what. So fast forward, I started working in corporate banking in St. George, very naive, just came out of high school and started working in Sydney and lived with my dad. My dad would live in the weekends in Sydney, would drive back home to mum on the weekends because dad worked in the mines and he was working night shifts. So we had to, you know, live down there and I was living there as well. Anyway, so I started learning about people working in corporate banking, learning about different types of people, different social statuses, people that had money, people that didn't have so much money. So I started learning more about people's energy. And when I was about 20, nearly 21, I never had a boyfriend. And then I went out and I met this man and let's just call him Paul. I talk about it in my book, Shine It Up with Jackie Gillies. And I thought, oh my God, this is the love of my life. I started dating him. First six months, everything was beautiful. Everything was amazing. And then things started to become a bit, now that I look back at it, things started to change. He would start isolating me from my friends. He would start controlling me, but very slowly. He would tell me what to wear, what I couldn't wear. He would say that I wasn't allowed out during the week, only if I was with him and I could go out on a Saturday night. On Friday nights was for him and the boys only, and that I would have to listen to what he would say. And then slowly but surely, I started isolating myself from my friends because he would tell me they're not good friends. I shouldn't hang out with them. They're not for me. You're a classy woman. You know, you don't need to be going out with these girls. That doesn't look good. Sometimes he'd say if I talk back, he'd slap me. And even though it didn't really get to physical altercation, what it did get to was a lot of emotional abuse, a lot of manipulation, and a lot of being put in a situation where, or situations where stories would be flipped that everything was my fault. Three and a half years into that relationship, the relationship started breaking down. My parents didn't know I was dating this man. My mum did, but my father didn't know for the first year and a half. I kept that a, a secret. He was of a European nationality as well. And he was very strong in his values of what he thought a girlfriend should be. And I remember as our relationship started to break down, and I meant that I started having these gut feelings that something wasn't right in our relationship. I felt like he was cheating, but I would ask him and then he'd deny it and then I'd believe his stories. I only love you, I'd never do that, all these things. And then one day we had this big fight and we broke up and the fight that we had was because I had driven past his place and I never told him I'd done this with my friend, driven past and his car wasn't there. And then when I drove back past his place again, and this is what it got to, so at this point I'm about 23. His car was there at five o'clock in the morning, but it wasn't there at three. So it was very much like he said he was at home, but he wasn't at home. 
And this guy would always ring me to make sure that I was at home and that I hadn't left. And he would even sometimes drive to my work unbeknown to me to make sure that I was actually at work. So it was really a very controlling relationship, but I didn't know it. Even though people around me did, people would say to me, he's not for you, Jackie. He is not a good person for you. He doesn't allow you to be who you are. He's very controlling. He's very manipulating. So when our relationship finally got to the point where I said, are you cheating? And he denied it. And I said, well, we drove past your car and you weren't there. And he was like, what were you doing out? So he flipped the story again and I felt like it was all my fault. And so I was in this relationship for three and a half years and I lost myself completely. I was a very confident woman. I knew who I was. And then my confidence just broke down. I became a shell of myself. I lost a lot of weight. I didn't interact with people. And then when our relationship finally broke up, or just before it broke up, I remember I was crying one day in my bed and I said, God, I pray to you every day. Angels, I talk to you every day. My exact words were, I've listened to everything my parents have said and I've always done everything the right way. I've listened to everything that this guy that says he loves me and done everything the right way. I've respected. I've never gone out and partied. I've never done alcohol or drugs. I've always done everything the right way. And it was in that moment when I was crying on my bed that I saw a vision like a movie theater of every single time that man ever cheated on me, from where to who to how. And I saw an angel. The angel looked at me and had these wings and it said to me, but it said to me in my mind, didn't speak out aloud and said, you have a high purpose. And then everything disappeared. That very next day I saw Paul. And I said to him, I know every time you've ever cheated. And he said to me, what friend of mine told you? And I said to him, it was the angels. And he looked at me like I was fucking cuckoo, like I was crazy. But I knew what I saw and I knew what I felt. And I knew that for every moment that I felt that he cheated, that God, the universe showed me visions of everything he ever done. And it was true. And it was in that moment that everything started to change for me. So we had broken up, but I hadn't dealt with the blowout of the grief of the breakdown of the relationship because I thought this is the guy that's for me. He was the guy I've ever, only ever been with. Like, this is it. And it was a really trialing time for the next year. I went into a depressed state. I didn't want to go out, come out of my room. I felt as if I'd lost everything that I ever knew. I relied on this man to make me happy. I relied on this person to give me the happiness and the self-worth that I needed instead of taking responsibility for what I needed to do to make me happy. So it took a good year for me to snap out of this depressive state. I'd sit in my room. I didn't want to see anybody. I changed even in my personality at work. I lost a lot of weight. I wasn't happy. I felt like I didn't want to live. I was crying all the time at night, praying that this man would come back, even though I knew he was bad for me. And it was just like a circle, just going round and round and round. Until one day, I walked into a shop called Angels in the Lake, down at Waters Bay in Newcastle. I walked into the shop and I was felt like I was directed where all the books were. And I kid you not, there was a book that fell out like somebody had pulled it out and the owner was there. She saw it as well. And it was a book that was called Divine Guidance by Doreen Virtue. I picked up the book and I opened up the book. And in the book, 
it said it had a chapter on how to differentiate true guidance to false guidance. And that's when I started reading all about self-help, how to listen to my inner guidance. And then I finally realized that I had to take responsibility for what wasn't working in my life and how I attracted that energy into my life. That was a dark period for me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But I've still got to go further. The lady in the shop that owned the shop, she came over to me and she was a bit in shock and it was like somebody had pulled that book out and and then I bought You Can Heal Your Own Life by Louise Hay, The Power of Now. Started reading a lot on Eckhart Tolle and Louise Hay and Dr. Joseph Murphy, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind, Wayne Dwyer. The list just went on and on and on. And how to hone my mindset. But in the meantime, this lady had said to me, we just started speaking and then I started giving her psychic vibes. And I started freaking out. Not in a bad way, but I started seeing images of her life, her past, her present, and future. And I started seeing a couple of people that had passed away. I'd named her father, I'd named a few other people that had passed away. And she was freaking out going, how do you know this? Not Some of the stuff you've told me, nobody knows. And I said, I don't know. And she said to me, will you do psychic medium readings here? I said, no, I'm not doing psychic medium readings. I thought, fuck, are you serious? Like, I work in banking and I'm going to do psychic medium readings. How's that going to look? No, I'm not a psychic. Anyway, I went back down to the store about a week later to buy more books because I was reading every day. It was keeping my mind distracted in a positive way. It was making me see how I attracted these things into my life, but how the blame, how I was blaming this person for everything that went wrong. But the truth is I allowed it. Went back down to the store, Angels in the Lake, and this lady asked me again, will you do psychic medium readings? And I said, no, again. Anyway, bought my books, off I went. Then I started learning about crystals and therapy and healing and meditation, started exercising, started slowly getting my mojo back, started my vision boards again, started all the things in life that I wanted. And I said to God in the universe, I will never date a guy again until I have all these things. I wrote a list of everything I wanted in a relationship. For four years, I went about my life. But in that four years, I went back down to the Angels in the Lake and I was working in banking. And she asked me again, will you do psychic medium readings? And something spat out of my mouth and I felt like somebody spat it out of my mouth. I said, yes. The next week I had my first reading. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, by the way. I just started giving her this woman vibes and they were spot on. Then I was booked out for one week. Then I was booked out the next time for two, then four, then one month, then two months, then three months, then six months, then one year, then two years. Then I had a three-year waiting list. And this was all word of mouth. But I believed... It was the universe's way of telling me I had to go through what I went through in order to find my purpose. I had to get out of this relationship in order to do this work, spiritual work. If somebody had said to me, Jax, you're going to be a psychic medium, you're going to be well-known in Newcastle for this, I would have thought, no way, man. Like, what? I would have thought that was absolute bullshit. (laughs) And so on I went with my life, being positive, not going out much, just 
learning about, again, mindset and learning how to inspire people in my readings outside of not just doing psychic medium readings, calling spirit in, but also how to show people to take responsibility and how we attract the things in life that we attract. I'm a massive believer your thoughts create your experiences. So I started learning about positive affirmations. I started learning about how to activate the subconscious mind and how to stay in positive frames of mind through gratitude because when you're in a state of gratitude, you can't be in a state of negativity. So I really started drawing the things in my manifestation board that I that I wanted. And one day, I get a phone call from a girlfriend that I hadn't seen in four years. And she said, come to this Bondi party. It's like, nah, I'm not going. I've just finished a day of readings. I might just have a, you know, sit back and watch a movie and have a glass of wine. And something in my head said, don't drink that wine. Get up and drive to Sydney. And from Newcastle to Sydney, that was a two-hour drive. So I drive to Sydney. And I'm hanging out with my friends that I hadn't seen in a few years. And in walks Ben. But what people don't know is that I knew Ben when I was 14 and a half. I was accepted into a class that Silverchair had paid for. It was learning about all about the facets of the music industry. You know, we're learning about A&R, the music industry, but Silverchair paid for that to give back to the community. And there's only about, I think, maybe nine or 10 people that got accepted and I got accepted into it. And that's how I met Ben when I was 14 and a half. But nobody knew the silver chair paid for it. And at the time, they were touring the world with some of the biggest bands in the world, like the Peppers, Blink. And I remember meeting Ben and thinking, oh, my God, he's a bit of a smart ass. So I walked into this Bondi party that I was invited to, and I'd written a list of everything I wanted in a relationship. Ben walks in. I didn't recognize him straight away, but he recognized my walk. And he was like, Jackie? And I went, Ben? We looked at each other, and Ben had a lot of Shirelles then. And he was single, so that means he was out dating and picking up and doing what boys do and what single chicks do as well, but, you know, having a good time. And I dropped him off at the Ivy and he wanted my phone number. I said, no, I'm going to give you my psychic number. So he was meeting up with the chick that night and I remember messaging him going, that looks fun, and he just laughed. And then I went home and I had a dream about Ben. I messaged Ben the next day and Ben and I dreamt exactly the same dream. No word of a lie. I dreamt I walked through a gate, there was a pool, there was people around, I looked over at him, and I felt safe. He was my safe place. Ben and I started hanging out as best friends for a year, and the first time he kissed me, so we're hanging out only as best friends, nothing happened. First time he kissed me, two days later he proposed, but before he proposed, I had a dream that he was going to propose, and I had a dream of my ex, of how my life would have looked like with my ex, and how it looks now. And I rang my mother up, and I said to my mum and dad, Spoke to them both. He's going to propose. Mum goes, don't be so ridiculous. I said, mum is going to propose. Unbeknown to me, Ben had already rang my parents up and Ben hadn't met my father. He met my mother, but not my dad. He was asking for my hand in marriage and they both feel like, yes, if she loves you, then we support it. And then Ben proposed with the exact diamond that I had on my manifestation board, the exact way I saw it in my dream. And I knew then and there that this is God's or the universe's will. This is where I'm meant to be. So that was the beautiful moment Ben proposed and we got married. Took a year off work and hung out with Ben and and we're in a couple's bubble and it was absolutely amazing and beautiful. And Ben is everything and more that I ever pray for in a relationship. He's a man that is so giving, so loving, allows me to be who I am without judgment, doesn't try to stop me in any way, champions everything that I do. If I ever want to do anything, he supports me and he is the love of my life. He is my soulmate and I'm just tearing up even talking about it now. I thank God every day for Ben. I thank the universe every day for Ben. 
Fast forward, I remember we were sitting here in Newcastle and I was looking over at the beach and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, come on. And I remember looking at the show and I remember looking at it and Lisa Vanderpump and some other cast members were on there. I looked at it and I said to Ben, I'm going to be in a show like this. And he started laughing. He goes, you know how hard it is to be in a show like this? I said, no, I'm going to be on a show like this. And on my manifestation board, I had seven pairs of legs and I can't remember putting that on there. I don't even know why walking down the red carpet. The next day I received a phone call from a friend of mine that was a wedding designer and he had put me forward without me knowing for the Real Housewives of Melbourne. And this executive producer, the big boss, knew who I was because she had heard about this girl that was from Newcastle that was married to Ben from Silverchair and that I was an amazing psychic medium. So I get a phone call saying, we would like to interview you. This is the big boss of the Real Housewives of Melbourne. Now, The day before, I'd said to my husband, I'm going to be in a show like this. And I've talked about this in interviews because I am a massive manifester. But I don't tell a lot of people at that point that I'm a manifester because when you are manifesting something, you shouldn't be telling people what you're manifesting because sometimes their negativity or their doubt or their fears can click into yours if your energy isn't very clear and at times you feel fearful about the things you're asking for and it's not coming quick enough. So we were going down to Melbourne anyway. Ben was writing music. In the studio in Melbourne, he was looking to write with some other artists. So the next thing that happened was I was down in Melbourne, but when I was on the plane going to Melbourne, there was this vibe where I was told that the EP is going to test me, the executive producer for Housewives. Walk into the pub, meet her and the casting agent, and what happens next is she goes, oh, I've heard you're a reader. What is it you can tell me? And I said, well, I know that you're here to test me. I named her partner that she just broke up with. I said, she had two boys. And I said, and your grandfather's here. She said, oh, yeah, my grandfather, what's his name? And I said, his name's Yosef. This is the big boss of the Real Housewives of Melbourne that says yes or no to that person being on this show. It was with Ben. And I said, his name's Yosef because he's here. And she goes, that's not his name, it's David. I said, his name is Yosef and he's standing right behind you and I'm talking to him. She goes into the toilet unbeknown to me. So everything I'd said to her prior that she was breaking up with her relationship, that it was all going to be okay, even told her like what he did for work. And I'd even told her that she had two boys and she'd just broken up with her partner like three weeks prior to it, to us meeting. She goes in the toilet, unbeknown to me, rings her mother up and says, what was that grandfather's name? And her mum goes, it was David. She goes, and that was his real name. She goes, actually, no, his real name was Yosef, but the reason his name's David is because he changed his name because he was a Holocaust survivor. And she started crying, and she said, how come you never told me, Mum? She said, because it wasn't of interest. We're very private. She came out and she said, how the fuck is it that you know that my grandfather's name was Yosef? I said, because I'm psychic and I'm meant to do this show. And I had to tell you something that nobody could know, and here it is. And in that moment, she said to me, it was then and there that you're on this show, Jackie. There was nobody else like you. So that was my first step into the Real Housewives of Melbourne. But see how synchronized events stepped me into my path from going through the things I went through at school, being bullied, seeing spirit world, going through a toxic relationship, having to find my self-worth, being going through depression, then finding Ben. But finding Ben again, because I knew him when I was 14, Ben was my soulmate. Seeing the visions of this guy that I used to be with that cheated on me and taking responsibility for what wasn't working. So everything I was experiencing, I was experiencing what a lot of people experience, but I knew I was going to be transparent about it. And then I experienced myself going on to the Real Housewives of Melbourne. So that 
was what catapulted me into the limelight because our show had became a successful show. And I had said to people at Foxtel that aired The Real Housewives of Melbourne and people that were working on The Real Housewives of Melbourne, that this show is going to be a huge success. It will be a massive success and I can see that there's going to be more seasons to come. And I knew by doing this show that I'd be able to speak about my spirituality and speak about psychic, my work and the type of work that I do, and hopefully I'd be able to inspire people to start listening to their own intuition and to know that all your answers are within you. It's been a huge couple of years for Ben and I since season four of The Real Housewives of Melbourne finished airing in the beginning of around 2018. Another thing that I manifested was me going into the jungle. I was on the show called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. The journey that I went through was incredible and I was pushed to the limits like you'd never, ever seen emotionally. Anybody that didn't watch me on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, it freaked me out in a good way. And it made me do things that I wouldn't normally do. Like I'm definitely afraid of heights. They put me in situations where I had to jump off bloody hot air balloons and oh my God, it was just, the experiences was out of this world. And I'll tell you what that experience did for me. Every day it made me think because you did a lot of lying around in camp and it made me think about the things that I wanted. My body cleared out of any sugar or coffees that I would eat because we were only given rations of food of rice and vegetables and we had to win the food to eat. Oh my God. But what it did for me was it made me reset the things that I wanted in life. When Ben and I first got married, Ben always wanted children, but I just kept saying, it'll happen, it'll happen. I was afraid, to be fair. I was selfish in my time, but I reckon I was afraid. I was afraid that if I had a child, would I be a good mother? How would I be? And in the jungle, I had this aha moment where I knew I wanted to be a mother. I was about 37 or 36 at the time, and I thought to myself, I don't want to be a 70-year-old woman and not experience motherhood. I do not want to not experience that, and I did not want to not give that experience of Ben being a father. I went to the doctors when I came out of the jungle and I talked to my doctor and she basically said, you don't have time, we're going to get moving. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, you can keep trying naturally or we can do IVF. And the next week I started doing IVF. So in the middle of doing IVF, I'm doing a Shine It Up tour. I did a nationwide Shine It Up tour and it was a success and it was about being open about manifestation, doing psychic readings, talking about my life as well as giving back to a charity that's so close to my heart called the Moira Kelly Creating a Hope Foundation. And so off I went and did my Shine It Up show. And then in the middle of that, all of that, I'm doing my IVF. And oh my God, if somebody had said to me, this is how I would finally fall pregnant, two years later, I did seven rounds of IVF that was grueling back to back. I think I took a few times, I took some time off. It was really challenging for me emotionally. It was really challenging for me physically. And when The Real Housewives of Melbourne season five came back and I was asked to do the show, I said no. The reason I said no is because I knew I wouldn't be an asset to The Real Housewives of Melbourne at that time emotionally. I wasn't in the right headspace. I didn't know, my God, when you go through IVF, what happens? The hormones, the injections, the crankiness, the tiredness, everything's sore, everything's bloated, going for egg retrievals, is this going to happen this time? Am I going to fall pregnant? And for every failure that I felt when I fell pregnant, it was soul-destroying. You know, the first couple of times I was all right, but I, but I kept it going. I kept having my faith. To put it frankly, it was, it was a shit time. It wasn't easy. 
any woman out there doing IVF knows how I feel. You have to have the love and support around you. And if you don't, it is hard. At first, I didn't tell anybody I was doing IVF because I was embarrassed. I think I was a bit ashamed. I think I was more like, what will people think of me? You know, am I not good enough to to be a mother? Is this the universe's way of saying it's not meant to be? But something in the depths of my soul told me to keep going. I had a dream that I would have twin boys after I had my miscarriage. When I had my miscarriage, my first miscarriage, I was pregnant and it was, I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, this has happened. I'm pregnant. And then the heartbeat was there. And the next time Ben and I went to the, um, to the doctors to have our scan, I just looked at the woman. But that morning I knew something was wrong because I said, Ben, I don't think the child's still there. Is the child still in there? And Ben goes, don't be so ridiculous. But I had a feeling and I know my psychic energy feelings and I know my intuition. When we got to the doctors and she started freaking out and looked at us, it's not there. And I started laughing. That was my way of dealing with the stress of what was going on. And she said, I'm sorry. And I said, in that moment, I said, the next day I have to go. I said to my IVF doctor, tomorrow I want to be booked in. I want you to take, I want you to do a cure out, whatever you have to do, I want it out. And that really, really bothered me. And when I say bothered me, it, it affected me in such a way that I didn't think that it would. It was a sadness. But I also knew deep down that, that I couldn't give up. I had to reset my mindset. And then I went back and did IVF again and, then I felt pregnant with twins. And here we are filming the Real Housewives of Melbourne season five. And I'm starting the podcast and getting ready for twins. So the journey of falling pregnant via IVF has not been easy. For all the ladies out there, my advice is do not give up. You got to keep going. You got to have faith. You've got to speak to your doctors about, you know, what it is you can do. I mean, I went through this seven, seven or maybe eight times, but let me tell you, it wasn't easy, man. It was fucked to be completely honest at times, but I knew I had to keep going. Thank you for coming to listen to my very first podcast episode. I can't wait to bring you all along on this journey with me. Next week, I'm going to tell you all about my IVF journey from the very beginning to now, but almost full term with twins. And then from there, we will have some exciting friends to join us. See you all next week. We're going to shout it up. Thank you, guys. I just love and adore you. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. If you've enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe, rate and review, which helps others find the podcast. For more, follow me on Instagram at Jackie Gillies TV and the podcast at Shine It Up underscore with Jackie Gillies. And I will see you all next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.